Hey, B, you ready for today's episode? Uh, okay, you're using Morse code to answer me. Right, but B, we're talking about Louis Braille, the creator of Braille, and the World War II heroes, the Navajo Code Talkers. Sure, both of them used codes and translated language from one form to another, but neither of those codes used tapping. <sighs> okay, all right. That's too complicated to tap out. I was saying yes, but if I bring up Morse code, it means I get to show off my tap dancing skills. Were you planning to do the whole episode like that? Yes, or should I say... <sighs> okay, now you've just collapsed and are rolling around on the floor. Yeah, I've switched genres and am now doing interpretive dance. There's a lot less cardio involved. Oh, boy. Eric, please play the theme song before she gets her second wind. Here we go. What do you think you know about the greats from history? The game is on. Get some energy and buckle up your brain Cause it's time to play It's the Who Was Podcast Cause it's time to play the Who Was Podcast Who Was? Live from Tongvaland, or so-called SoCal, Los Angeles. Welcome to Who Was, the history quiz show that gives contestants the chance to win mega prizes and podcast glory. I'm your announcer and co-host from Coast to Coast, B. And here's your host, the man who majored in study hall, it's Elliot Kalin. Thank you, B, and welcome everyone to the Who Was podcast. This show is like Jeopardy, only with surprise guests, silly games, and an in-house tanning bed. The 10th visit is free. Our contestants were sent Who Was books about two great figures from history. Now they're here to show off their knowledge in the hopes of winning fantastic prizes. Prizes, prizes, prizes. Today, we're learning about Louis Braille and the Navajo Code Talkers, people who changed the world with their modes of communication. But before we meet them, let's meet our contestants. First up, We've got Paige. Paige, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Paige. A fun fact about me is I'm actually a really good goalkeeper. You're actually a really good goalkeeper. That is amazing. Now, I have been watching um, the Angel City uh, soccer team here in Los Angeles, and our goalkeeper is incredible. She's my favorite player on the team. What is your favorite thing to do as goalkeeper? Probably punt the ball. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's such a big, fun thing to do. That's awesome. It's such a huge responsibility to, to keep the goal and take care of it and make sure that it's in condition. You got to take it home after every game. You got to remember to bring it with you at the next game. Keeping a goal is a big job. I really admire that you're able to pull it off. Paige, do you have um, a personalized set of gloves that you wear as goalkeeper yet? I've got a couple, actually. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And with us today, we also have Liliana. Liliana, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liliana. And one fun fact about me is once I read a 492-page book in one day. In, in one day? day? That's got to be a record of some kind. What was, what was the book? What was the day like? Tell us everything. I've got to know. Um, well, I had come back from camp because I had a high fever, Ooh. and I was reading Keeper of the Lost Cities. And I just had nothing to do, dude, so I just read it. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed and inspired by how you took what could have been a catastrophe and you used it to fuel you to probably break a world record. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. Yes, and thank you to Eric, our musician, for providing that lovely Meet the Contestants music and all of the music on the show today. So that's who is. Now let's find out who was Louis Braille with four fast facts. Four fast facts. Louis Braille was born in 1809 and died in 1852. Louis Braille lost his eyesight at the age of three after an accident in his father's workshop. At just 15 years old, Louis Braille developed a system of reading and writing for people who are blind that would eventually be known as Braille. Braille is still in use today. Braille is a system of reading and writing that uses a series of six raised dots in place of written letters. People read the text with their fingers. Four fast facts. So it's amazing to me that Louis Braille invented this whole system of writing when he was just a kid, basically. And it made me wonder, have either of you ever invented anything? Liliana, have you invented anything? You were sick for a while. Did you, did you invent something while you were in bed? Um, I don't think I did. All right, All right. we're going to have to go. Yeah, we'll have to go back and double check. But, but Liliana says she doesn't think she did. Cool. All right. What about you, Paige? <laughs> well, there's still time. There's still lots of time to invent something. I have to admit, I've never invented anything either, except for excuses about why I didn't take the garbage out. And I'm also curious, has have either of our contestants, have you ever um, seen Braille, or do you know anybody who uses Braille to read and write? I don't think I do. I've seen a lot. They have it. Have it outside the um, restrooms at school, so I see it a lot. Yeah, that That's makes true. sense. You see it on a lot of signs outside of at, in buildings, outside of, of doors, in schools especially. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. So, listeners, if you never noticed it before, take a look next time you're maybe at your own school, and the sign, if there's little bumps on the bottom of it, that's Braille. That's how someone who can't see can read the sign. Without a moment left to lose, let's go to our first game, which is called Couplet. One... Two, it's a couplet. One, two, it's a couplet. In this game, we have a rhyming couplet or two-line poem. That's what couplet means. With the final word missing. Fill in the blank with the correct rhyming word to get it right. For example, if we gave you the couplet, the announcer for this show is not me. It's the most talented person I know. And the answer, of course, is B, because B rhymes with me. And I'm also the most talented person Elliot knows. And Jane is the most talented person I know. Okay, well, that didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Because this is our first game, each question is worth one point each. Take it away, B. All right, Paige, here is your couplet. You might think Louis was from Paris at a glance. But he was born in Coupevray, a small town in the country of... France. That's right. The answer is France. Louis was born in this small farming village into a family of leather workers. After an accident made him blind, he learned to read the alphabet when his father tapped nails in the shape of letters, and Louis memorized the feel of their shapes. A local priest was impressed with Louis's intellect and convinced the wealthiest man in the village to help Louis get a scholarship to the School for the Blind in Paris. Okay, and our next question is for Liliana. All right, Liliana, here is your couplet. They may have helped kids without vision, but Louis's new school was originally constructed as a... Prison. 
That's right, the answer is prison. Louis attended the Paris Royal Institute for Blind Youth in 1819. It was the first special school for the blind in the world. But living conditions inside the school were poor. Many of the students who lived and went to school there contracted infections and illness. They said the stairs were worm-eaten. Worms had eaten the stairs. Although authorities at the school made appeals to the government, the school was not given a new building for nearly 30 years. Okay, the next couplet is for Paige. Paige, here is your couplet. Many fellow students thought that Louis's new code was grand, but the director of their school said it wasn't allowed. It was banned. That's right, the answer is banned. It's hard to believe now, but when Louis first came up with his code, the head of the school forbade it in the classroom and locked away books that were written in Braille. The students used Braille in secret and found ways to write it using forks, knitting needles, and nails. One boy wrote, we had to learn the alphabet in secret, and when we were caught using it, we were punished. Okay, the next couplet is for Liliana. Liliana, don't worry, if you get it right or wrong, there's no punishment here. We are not the Paris School for the Blind in the 1880s. That's, right. That's right, no worm-eaten stairs here, as far as I know. Yeah. All right, Liliana, here's your couplet. Though Louis Braille may now be gone, you can see his tombstone next to other French heroes at the... Lawn? No, I'm sorry. Uh, it's actually a place without a lawn there. The answer is the Pantheon. The Pantheon is a building where France's most honored people are buried. At the time of his death, the French government was still clinging to the old system of using embossed letters for people who were blind. But two years later, Louis' method replaced the embossed letter method as France's official system of writing for the blind, and his remains were moved from Coupe to the Pantheon in 1952, joining such luminaries as the philosopher Voltaire, the Three Musketeers author Alexandre Dumas, and fellow who was subject Marie Curie. And that's the end of the first game. It's a couplet. And we've got a couple of great contestants here today. What a good first round. Before we go to the break, we'll go over to someone who will one day be in the Who Was Pantheon, producer Jane, with the first round scores. Thank you, Elliot. Currently, Liliana has one point, and Paige is ahead with two. Thank you, Jane. It's still a very close game, and we'll be back with our next round after this short break. Eric, please play us out with some worm-eaten stairs music, please. At least they're getting their steps in. Welcome back to the Who Was Podcast. Today we're learning who was Louis Braille and who were the Navajo Code Talkers. Now back to your host, Elliot Kalin. Thank you, B. Before we get back to the game, let's get to know more about the Navajo Code Talkers with four fast facts. Four fast facts. The Navajo Code Talkers were a special communications unit of the U.S. Marines in World War II from 1942 to 1945. The Navajo called themselves Diné. In 1868, after decades of fighting and hundreds of Navajo lives lost on government-forced long walks from their homes to live on reservations, the Navajo signed a treaty to regain their homeland. The Code Talkers created a system that used the Navajo language to send coded radio message across enemy lines. The German and Japanese armies were never able to crack their code. Four fastbacks. So we were wondering, all this talk about codes and special languages, do either of you have like a special code or language that you use to talk to someone special to you, either a friend or a sibling? Do you have a twin that you speak a twin language in? Not really. 
but sometimes I do end up speaking in French if I get mad. Oh my! <laughs> do you speak French fluently? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends. <laughs> uh, Liliana, what about you? Do you have any special languages that you share with anybody? Um, no, but some kids in my class last year, they created a language. It was like some weird thing. It was like a bunch of different letters mixed up, and the teacher never knew. Really? <gasps> All right. What an awesome code. If the teacher never found out what they were saying, that means their code worked. Yeah, that's a, that's a good code. Hey, B, I've got a question. Speaking of, of codes and special languages, do you know what your name would be according to the Navajo Code Talkers? Shush. Okay, rude. I can't shush. It's my job to talk. No, not shush. Shush. That would be my name based on the system the code talkers came up with. Because they use common Navajo words to stand in for English letters. So if you wanted to quickly say my name, like the letter B, you'd say shush, which is actually the Navajo word for bear. <gasps> Ooh, a bee bear. Gerbs. Sting. Wait. I'm receiving this urgent coded message. We gotta get to our next game. It's called Backpack from the Past. Backpack from the Past, baby. What a groovy game. I have a backpack that contains some personal objects from the Navajo Code Talkers. B and I are going to describe those objects for our contestants and the listeners at home. And contestants, you pick the best of the multiple choice answers that reveals the significance of the object. And since this is our second game, each question is worth two points. Go for it, B. All right, Liliana, this first object is for you. Oh, wow, I found a permission slip. It reads, Dean Wilson does not have permission to join the Marines, and it's signed by his parents. Why is this in the backpack? Is it because A, code talker Dean Wilson took a slip of paper denying permission to join the Marines out of his file, or B, I grabbed the wrong bag, and this is actually Dean Wilson's trash bag? A. That's right, the answer is A. Dean Wilson was too young to join the Marines on his own. He saw a slip of paper in his file at the recruiter's office that didn't grant him permission, and he took it out so that he could join. More than 200 Navajo men showed up when the U.S. Marines called for volunteers who spoke Navajo and English. They were ready to help the war effort even after more than 150 years of mistreatment of Native Americans by the U.S. government. And the next object is for you, Paige. Paige, it looks like a water canister, and it's full of water. So I guess it was a water canister. What does this have to do with the Navajo Code Talkers? Is it A, the water canister from their desert training, or B, because part of their method was to send notes in invisible ink that could only be seen after you splashed water on it? A. That's right. The answer is A. Once the recruits got to Marine camp, there was a lot of training. Many things were new to the soldiers, but other things, like hard work, marksmanship, and desert survival, were not. The recruits were instructed to survive in the desert with just one water canister. The Navajo recruits knew to get water from a cactus and came back with a full water canister. When they graduated, the Navajo platoon were called one of the most outstanding that had graduated from basic training. Okay, Liliana, this next object is for you. Oh, wow, it's a grid. In one column, it has letters, and the next column has Navajo words, and the last column has words in English, such as owl, weasel, and ice. Is this A, a new kind of Sudoku puzzle called Wordoku, or the cipher for the Navajo letter code? B. 
That's correct. The answer is B. A cipher is a guide for understanding codes. The 29 Navajo Marines were tasked with creating a cipher for a code that troops could use during battles. The code talkers created this code that used Navajo words to represent English letters, which spelled out words. As the code developed, other shorthand phrases were added. For example, the code talkers used the Navajo word for tortoise to stand in for the English word tank. Okay, Paige, this next one is for you. Okay, wow, it's a pouch, and inside it, there's a rock, some pollen, and an arrowhead. What could this represent? A, a party favor bag from a real cool party Geraldine went to. Or B, medicine bags the Navajo soldiers carried with them. B. The answer is B. Many Navajo soldiers had medicine bags that contained not something like Tylenol or vitamins, but sacred objects given to them by their families. They wore them around their neck to protect them and keep them connected to their home life. The Navajo community also helped the code talkers after the war with special spiritual Navajo ceremonies called the Enemy Way, where people gathered to sing, chant, and pray to help drive away the spirits of the battlefield. And that's the end of that game. Backpack from the past, baby. Great round, everybody. You two both really cracked the code of those questions. Now let's transmit a message over to Producer Jane. Producer Jane, here's the message. It reads, what are the scores? I got your message, Elliot, and I'm going to tell you the scores are Liliana has five and Paige ahead by one with six. Whoa, truly a nail-biter of a game. It is. Oh, a nail-biter. Oh, Elliot, there you go, always talking in code. Well, that's not a code. It's a metaphor. You know what a metaphor is, right, B? Yeah, it's like a portmanteau of a simile and an adverb. Oh, boy. We'll have to unpack that later, because right now we have a very special guest here. Everyone, please welcome Navajo Code Talker William Dean Wilson. Hello, all. Thanks to the Who Was App for getting me here. Who Was App? You want to reach someone in the past? All you need is the Who Was App? Who Was App? That app is a lot lighter than the radios I carried in service. That's for sure. B. Elliot, I know we've got a lot to cover, but I must ask, how did you get a Chiyer Aloha? That translates in English to elephant in the studio. Hey, Geraldine, why don't you tell him yourself? Yeah, okay, and then what happened? <laughs> That's so right, you were wearing that. <laughs> Elliot, what are they saying? I have no idea. I find the best thing to do when B and Geraldine start talking is just figure out the vibe and not along. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then I was like, you're hired. <laughs> we have fun on this show. So, Mr. Wilson, you joined the Marines when you were just 16 years old. Yes, even though I told them I was 18. Oh, I get it. Were you speaking in a code and 18 really meant 16? <laughs> yes. If by code, you mean fibbing. I know it's not right to lie, but I was young and eager for adventure. I was kind of like a boy with a new toy. Everything was new. Mr. Wilson, could you tell us any of the messages you sent back when you were serving with the Marines? That's confidential information, but I can tell you that we ended each dialogue with the phrase that translates to give back the ram. It was our way of acknowledging that the conversation was over. Well, I 
actually have some code of my own that I wonder if you'd be able to decipher. I've been working on it for a while, so it's pretty tough to crack. The 28 other code talkers and I painstakingly created code under intense pressure over a period of many months. I know how difficult creating code can be. I'd love to hear what you came up with. Okay. Here goes code number one. Wait, B, how many codes did you create? That's confidential information. Or should I say, at they's confidential K information A. Ah, uh, you're speaking pig Latin there. Putting the beginning of the word at the end. <sighs> Correct. Code cracked. Okay, code number two. I'm so thrilled you figured it out so quickly. Thrilled? But you're actually mad. Is it opposite day or something? <sighs> okay, two for two. Is opposite day actually a code? Hell yeah. Just figure out the time and not along. And now for code three. Simon says, put your hand on your nose. Simon says, jump up and down. Simon says, sing Carmina Burana. Oh, Fortuna. Wait, wait, wait. This code is Simon Says. I was wrong? No, you're totally right. It is Simon Says. But Simon didn't say you could say Simon Says. I've had to decipher some pretty strange messages in my day, but B, the messages coming from you have got to be the strangest. You're welcome. I think she means thank you for stopping by and seeing us today, Mr. William Dean Wilson. My pleasure. Thanks to you all, and thanks again, Who Was App? Give back the ram. Who was that? It's time we take a break, unless you've got another code to show us, B. No, I really don't. Okay, that's just sarcasm. Otherwise known as Code 47. Now, Code 48 is where you burp everything. Oh boy, Eric, play us some Give Back the Ram music, please. It was a loner. C'est moi, Marie Curie. You may remember me from winning multiple Nobel Prizes or perhaps from my episode of the Who Was podcast where I played myself. I wanted to take a moment to read one of my favorite reviews about the Who Was podcast. <clears throat> this is from Shaken Bay and it reads, Loved this. Me and my little sister love this show. More please, our fave is Harriet Tobin. If you want to hear your review read on the air, make sure to subscribe, like, and review to the Uwas podcast in the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Au revoir, or should I say, a bientôt! When the clock is started. Welcome back to the Who Was Podcast. Today we're learning all about awesome forms of communication with who was Louis Braille and who were the Navajo Code Talkers. And now, back to your host, Elliot Kalin. Thanks, B. We've got one last game to get to, and it's this one. Converge of Greatness. In this multiple-choice game, B will read questions where our two historical figures overlap or converge. And because this is our third game, each question is worth three huge points. Pick the best option as your answer. Paige, the first question is for you. B, you know what to do. 
Both Louis and the Code Talkers left home for a very specific education. As we mentioned, conditions at Louis' school were very bad. Louis and many other students even contracted this condition from living there. A, cold feet, which is why Louis never married. B, bad taste in interior decorating. Or C, tuberculosis. C. You got it. The answer is C. For a minute, I thought you said B, and I was like, I didn't think his taste in interior decorating was that bad. But the answer is C. <laughs> Tuberculosis, or TB, is a sickness that affects your breathing and can be spread very quickly when people live in close quarters. TB was the leading cause of death in industrialized countries during the 19th and early 20th centuries. It affected Louis and many of his fellow students. In fact, Louis died at the young age of 43 from complications from TB. Okay, next question. This next question is for Liliana. All right, Liliana. Both Braille and Navajo were at one point used in secret. Braille was banned by the head of Louis' school. But why would Navajo speakers keep their language secret? Was it A, the Navajo code talkers wanted to practice keeping secrets, B, schools that many American Indians were sent to would only speak and teach in English, or C, contrary to the popular rhyme, secret secrets are tons of fun, and secret secrets hurt no one. B. That's right, the answer is B. For most of American history, the U.S. government was hostile to Native American tribes. In order to break down Native cultures, they made many indigenous children leave their homes and go to schools where they had to speak English. Their mouths were washed out with soap when they spoke their own language. In an incredible twist of history, the Navajo language America tried to erase ended up helping us when we needed it most. In 2002, code talker Chester Nez understood the irony of his military service. He said, all those years being told not to speak Navajo, then to turn around and ask us for help with that same language, it still kind of bothers me. And for the record, kids, just want you to know, secrets are not fun and can on occasion hurt someone. Unless that secret is what's going to happen on the next episode of Game of Thrones, that's called No Spoilers. And I totally stand by keeping that a secret. And on to the next question for Paige. We've talked about how quickly the Navajo code talkers could translate messages, but students wanting to prove how effective Braille was also translated messages quickly. So quickly, in fact, that... A, people did not believe them and made them do it again. B, they set a Guinness World Record for the fastest translation. Or C, it was so fast, the paper they were reading from burst into flames. A. That's right, the answer is A. Students gave a demonstration of how quickly they could write in Braille. One student left the room, and an audience member read a poem aloud, which was immediately translated into Braille. The student who had left the room came back and used their fingers on the braille and spoke the perfectly translated poem. One man in the audience didn't believe them. He made the students translate a theater ticket from his pocket, which they also transcribed and read aloud perfectly. We'd like to think it was a ticket for the Egg on My Face show, because that guy sure had egg on his face. Or as he would have said in France, Oof, sans visage. Thank you. I guess I don't, I, sh I should have asked Paige. Paige would have known, but only when she's angry. That's egg without a face. So <laughs> I hope my egg doesn't have a face. I don't want to eat an egg with a face on it. Okay, the next and final question as I try to get the image of an egg with a face out of my mind. <laughs> this last question is for Liliana. Okay, all right, Liliana. Both Louis Braille and the Navajo Code Talkers had to wait a long time for recognition of their good work. For Braille, it took nearly 100 years. And the truth behind the Code Talkers was not mentioned until 23 years after their service. They weren't given Congressional Medals of Honor until 2001. 
Which U.S. president awarded them those medals? Was it A, Barack Obama, B, George W. Bush, or C, Millard Fillmore? B. That's right, the answer is B. Fearing they would need to use the code again, the U.S. military kept the code talkers talked secret until 1968. The code talkers, they weren't even allowed to talk about what they did in the military for over 20 years. Then, in 2001, the 29 original code talkers were given Congressional Medals of Honor from President George W. Bush. He declared theirs, quote, a story all Americans can celebrate. And remember, in 1982, August 14th was named National Code Talkers Day. I can't wait to celebrate. I've already got all my Code Talker decorations and my Code Talker snacks. It's going to be fantastic. And that's the end of the round. That sound means we're at the end of the game and the end of the show. While we wait for Jane to tally the points, I'd love to hear from both of our contestants. Liliana, what surprised you about either Louis Braille or the Navajo Code Talkers? I think I was surprised that Louis Braille wasn't blind at birth. Mm -hmm. He uh, lost his sight when he was uh, three years old, and it was an accident that happened to one of his eyes, and then an infection spread, and he lost vision in both. Yeah. It really makes you wonder what a three-year-old was doing wandering around in a leatherworking workshop. One has to wonder, yeah. And how about you, Paige? Was there anything that surprised you about either of our subjects? Well, actually, I think the Navajo uh, Cold Talkers They surprised me a lot. I didn't even know they existed. Isn't it amazing when you learn a story from history and you're like, what? That happened? How did you feel when you found out that the Navajo Code Talkers, that they had lived these lives, that they were able to turn their language into an unbreakable code? How did you feel about that? That was pretty cool, (laughs) actually. I think that sums it up. Pretty cool is a good way to describe it, yeah. And so you went, so when you read it, you didn't get mad and start yelling in French? (laughs) No, no, no. Oh, that's good, that's good. Okay, thank you both. That was fantastic. Now, for the big moment, Jane, please announce our winner. Elliot, I'm going to give out the winner in code. Are you ready? Yes, yes, please. Paige had 12 points. Liliana had 11. Can you figure it out? That that was the code? That's the code. Okay, I think... I think that means Paige is our winner today. Correct, you got it. Oh, you cracked the code. I was almost there. Congratulations, Paige. And Liliana, you played a great game, a super close ending. I'd call that a photo finish. Okay, Paige, you have 10 seconds for shout-outs. Who do we want to thank for getting you to the winner's circle? Uh, Ms. Marcia and Ms. Dollar. And my mom and dad, especially. That's really great. That's really nice. And I'm sure your mom and dad will appreciate it. Our winner and their library of choice are going to be receiving a selection of Who Was books. And I'm going to give my own shout out to intern Zach, to Jane, to Eric, and to B. And a big thank you to both of our contestants for playing a really fantastic game. You both did great. And, of course, who should I thank the most? It could only be one person. You, the listener, listening to this right now. Thank you for enjoying our show. Now, join us next time when we learn about two more amazing figures from history. Until then, this is Elliot Tortoise Tank Kalen saying, we're history. Goodbye, everybody. Got a question for any of our famous figures, or do you want to be a contestant? Send us a voice memo at thewhowaspodcast at gmail.com. It or you might just end up on the show. The Who Was podcast is produced by Radio Point, iHeartMedia, and Penguin Workshop and is based on the best-selling Who HQ series published by Penguin. This show is hosted by Elliot Kalin with co-host Megan O'Neill as B. 
It also stars Jane Baker as Jane and Eric Shackney as Eric. Executive producers are Richard Corson, Alex Bach, Elliot Kalin, Megan O'Neill, Daniel Powell, and Houston Snyder. Our executive producer for Penguin Workshop is Francesco Sedita, but our executive producer for iHeartMedia is Lindsay Hoffman. This episode was written by Megan O'Neill, Elliot Kalin, and Devin Coleman. Our producers are Bernie Kaminsky and Taylor Kowalski. Our talent producer is Jane Baker. Our theme song and our music are all composed and performed by Eric Shackney. We are edited and mixed by Brie Matan and Kate Moldenhauer. We're recorded by Allison Wirth. And there's special thanks I'd like to give to Zach Timpson, Charlotte Deanda, Daniel Goodman, Michael Lewis Howard, and of course, you, the listener. Mwah. The Who Was podcast was recorded at the iHeart Studios in Los Angeles, California. Sound services were provided by Great City Post. It's the Who Was podcast because it's time to play the Who Was podcast.